Embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Um. Welcome to Blueberry Friction. My name's Ashley, and today I have a special guest. Today I'm here with my mom. Hi, my name's Vera. Today we're going to talk about Hustlers, and I'm not talking about the movie. We're going to be talking about the real-life Hustlers. The Hustlers movie was based on the article by Jessica Pressler called Hustlers at Score. It was released in 2018. Jessica wrote detailed accounts from Rosalind Keough and Samantha Barbash. If you haven't seen Hustlers, it's a great movie, but it's so crazy as you're watching it. You're like, this couldn't happen in real life, but it did. Essentially, Hustlers is about a group of four women who used to be strippers and they wanted more. The American Dream. They would meet men, drug them, and max out their credit cards in various strip clubs in New York City. Today, we're going to talk about the real-life hustlers that the movie is based off of. Everyone in the movie had their names changed, but these are the key players in the case. Samantha Barbash, her character was Ramona, played by Jennifer Lopez. Rosalind Keo, her character was Destiny, and she was played by Constance Wu. Karina Pascucci, her character was Annabelle, and she was played by Lily Reinhardt. Marcy Rosen, her character was Mercedes, and she was played by Kiki Palmer. And then Carmen Vitalo, he didn't have a character in the movie, but he but he was charged in the case. The Hustler movie made $33 million, and it was well-received by audiences as well as critics. Now we're going to move on to Rosalind and how she grew up. Rosalind dropped out of school at 17. She took a job at the New City Diner. Late at night in early morning, she poured coffee and took orders from customers. Some of those customers were employees at a local gentleman's club called Laced. One night, one of Lisa's managers dropped a $20 tip on a $20 check. They gave her uniform a long up-and-down look and suggested if she wanted to make more money. Like Howard Stern ushered in a new era where taking one's clothes off in an audience was no longer degrading but sexual liberation and financial empowerment. New York clubs like Scores had bright lights and bottle service had successfully marketed themselves as a fun but harmless night out for men and women, as well as celebrities and athletes were all too happy to be photographed with dancers who, who looked as wholesome as topless cheerleaders. Rosalind went to Lace the next day. She lied about her age and landed the job. To her recollection, she made 500 to $1,000 a night, but she knew the real money was in Manhattan, so she drove her used Honda into the city to flash dancers in Times Square and Larry's Flint's hustlers club and that's where she met samantha now we're shifting our focus to samantha barbash another key player in the case she was one of hustlers top money makers she was a single mother from the bronx and she started dancing at 19. she had been shaped by the industry in which she grew up to give you a picture of what samantha looks like jessica wrote her body was jessica rabbit curvy her lips angelina jolie puffy her hair which concealed tattoos of a cascade of stars running down her neck was cleopatra black buried within this ultra feminine package was a mercenary streak worthy of gordon gecko if you don't know who this is gordon gecko is a fictional character from the 80s movie wall street he was ruthless and would even sell his own mother to make some money i know you did some research on samantha do you know anything well the research that i found for samantha just said that she was driven by money she was money hungry. The more money she can make, the better off she thought she would be to support her lifestyle. So the stuff that I found didn't paint a good picture of her. When they met, Samantha was in her 30s, which is considered ancient in stripper standards, but she maintained her superiority over other dancers, especially the younger ones. Samantha took Rosie under her wing, letting her meet some of her clients. A lot of her clients were Wall Street guys, and Samantha didn't like Wall Street guys. At this point in 2007, strip clubs weren't as popular as they had been. A series of mob-related arrests at scores had taken away some of the gloss, but they were as good a place as any to blow off some steam after a day, pushing around billions of millions. Better release and strip clubs were one of the only few places outside of Wall Street where large sums of money could be treated just as cavalry. Rosie later said, it was like La La Land in there. We had a guy come in who was, is a Guggenheimen partner. He spent 300 grand one week. He came in three times, 100 grand, 100 grand every time he walked in. Everyone made $10,000 every time he came in. I watched an ABC episode of 2020 
the scores club was like the best of the best when it came to show clubs at the time you had to figure out what a guy was looking for was he looking to spend money and have a good time or was he there for a drink the champagne room could easily cost 600 to 1000 dollars a typical bottle of champagne is like $40, but in a strip club, it could cost $500 to $1,000. Before you know it, this man who walked into a strip club has $50,000 charged to his credit card, which was a perfect cover-up. At the time, since being a stripper was seen as a bad thing, men viewed the women working at these clubs as lesser than. Rosaline said, you would see the scum of the earth. Cardi B played one of the strippers in the movie. Her character was fictitious, but she was a stripper before she became a well-known rapper. She said that men would come in and touch all up on her. She was like, you trying to hustle my body, so I'm going to hustle your money. Rosaline even said, the more touchy-feely they got, the harder she worked to get their money. Both of them even said, over the time being a stripper, you start to hate men. A lot of strip club owners were men. There was an uneven playing field. Women had to pay to strip at the club. Rosaline said, in the city, it was $300 to work. You had 30 minutes to get ready or you get fined. They had to tip everyone in the club. The manager said he'll send good clients your way. The Great Recession, sometimes referred to as the 2008 recession in the United States and Western Europe, has been linked to the so-called subprime mortgage crisis. Subprime mortgages are home loans granted to borrowers with poor credit history. Their home loans are considered high-risk loans. The financial crisis was primarily caused by, by deregulation in the financial industry that permitted banks to engage in hedge fund trading with derivatives. When the values of derivatives crumbled, banks stopped lending to each other. That created the financial crisis that led to the Great Recession. And during that time, the people who had those sub subpar loans they were mainly black and brown people. They were the ones that lost their houses, so the value of the houses went down. And so, because they were put into loans that they couldn't afford to pay, so therefore their houses got foreclosed on during that time. And also during that time, you had a problem with the car manufacturers, people were losing jobs, and it was just a real bad time and no one was spending money. Meaning that if no one was spending money, they didn't go to strip clubs? Right. They didn't have any disposable income at that time to go to a strip club or go anyplace else because people were trying to keep their homes. So that was called the economic crisis that they had. So people who were trading on Wall Street, these Wall Street types that were going into strip clubs, therefore they didn't have money to be able to go in a strip club to have disposable income. So they stopped going. So when they stopped going, people stopped going out to strip clubs, then strip clubs weren't making any money which means the strippers weren't making any money because no one was going there okay so during that time of the economic crisis of 2008 you had over 10 million people who lost their homes you had over 9 million people who lost jobs therefore they didn't have money to buy food let alone go out for entertainment and things like that because that was a real bad time for people who owned houses some people during that time they owned a house that they paid 300000 for. The value of the house was only 250 So they owed more than what it was worth. So a lot of people couldn't even sell their houses because of the value had went down. And a lot of people's houses went into foreclosure. During this time, Rosie had taken time off so she could raise her daughter. When she came back, men were looking for more bang for their buck. They walked into the strip club looking for sex and that's something that Rosie didn't want to do. Then she meets back up with Ramona. Ramona was tired of the Wall Street guys being on top, so they devised a plan to make more money, to have a hustle of sorts. But they had to bring in more people. I'll introduce you to those people later, though. The women called it fishing. They essentially had a Rolodex of previous clients who were typically wealthy men who would want to drink and party at strip clubs. Jessica wrote in her article, Drunk on Alcohol and Feminine Attention. Jessica wrote in her article, Drunk on Alcohol and Feminine Attention, steer him toward one of the clubs from which they negotiated a lucrative percentage of his spending. Samantha invented a concoction. It was a combination of ketamine, molly, and cocaine. Do you have any knowledge on these drugs and their effects? No, I do not. 
Ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic. Lower to moderate doses give sensation of lightness. An example would be like walking on the moon, dizziness, and euphoria. It makes people it makes people's thoughts flow randomly. High doses, large quantities lead to odd feelings of separation between mind and the physical body, which some find unpleasant and others find distressing. Unpleasant side effects like nausea and vomiting. Ketamine can produce delusional thoughts like much like those associated with schizophrenia. Large quantities of ketamine result in what people call k-holing, which is slang for how it feels to take a high dosage of ketamine that your awareness of the world around you and your control of your own body becomes so profoundly impaired that you're temporarily unable to interact with others and the world around you. Let's move on to Molly. It's a synthetic drug that alters mood and perception. It's chemically similar to stimulants and hallucinogens, producing feelings of increased energy, pleasure, emotional warmth, and distorted sensory as well as time perception. Molly increases three brain chemicals, dopamine, nephephephrine, and serotonin. Dopamine produces increased levels of energy and activity and acts in the reward system to reinforce behavior. Nephephephrine, I'm surprised I haven't messed it up. Nephephephrine increases heart rate and blood pressure, which is risky for people with heart heart and blood vessel problems. Lastly, serotonin. It affects mood, appetite, sleep, and other functions. It also triggers hormones that affect sexual arousal and stress. The large release of serotonin likely causes the emotional closeness, elevated mood, and empathy. And finally, cocaine. It sends high levels of dopamine, a natural chemical messenger in your body, and parts of your brain to control pleasure. This buildup causes intense feelings of energy and alertness. This buildup increases intense feelings of energy and alertness, called a high. So going back to the 2020 episode I mentioned earlier, there are four victims that came forward. Three of them included unnamed male victims, a banker, a hedge fund executive, and a real estate lawyer. Among them were Syed Yunin. He was a he's a wealthy cardiologist from New Jersey. Authorities said Samantha recruited beautiful dancers and workers to lure wealthy men back into Manhattan's Gentlemen's Club. There they would get their marks to spend as much money as possible and run up their credit cards. Acting as club promoters, the women would walk away with a cut of what the men spent, making it perfectly legal. But it was under the disguise of promotion that the women's scam took shape and crossed the lines into something illegal. Another key player is Pascucci. I mentioned her earlier. Barbas arranged for Pascucci, who worked as a waitress and massage girl at one of the clubs, to go on a date with Yunin. Pascucci said she was given a timeline to follow and was coached to say she was a nursing student. During the Great Recession, the clientele at New York Gentlemen's Club stopped spending like they used to, and these women started looking for legitimate ways to start making money. In late 2013, Yunin got a text message saying, Hi, remember me? I'm Karina. Yunin was like, well can you remind me? She was like, oh yeah, we met at a restaurant. I'm studying to become a nurse and I'm looking for a nice guy and I would and I would love to go to dinner with you. By agreeing to go on this day, he put himself in a vulnerable position. What he didn't know was that during the 2020 interview, he wasn't actually texting Pescucci, he was actually texting Samantha. On the night they had planned to meet up, Union said he texted Pascucci telling her he arranged for a friend and his wife to meet them for a double date. According to Union, Pascucci was like, okay, you know, I'm running late. You know, I wanted to spend time alone with you. He said, just don't worry about it. Just come. So she was two hours late. When Pascucci did finally arrive, the other couple had finished their food and left shortly after. Union and Pascucci stayed and shared wine. He then excused himself to go to the bathroom. When he returned, he drank a few drops of the wine left in his glass. Union said, I started feeling warm, fleshy, and my vision was a little blurry and cloudy. I didn't think twice, and then I didn't remember much after that. The next thing he knew, Union said he was waking up the next morning in bed alone. He had no idea what happened after the restaurant. He said Pascucci had left him a note, thanking him for an unbelievable time. Pescucci said that could happen when you drink too much alcohol. It's called blacking out. He was very intoxicated. But we all know that wasn't the case. When Union texted her asking what happened that night, he said she told him that he had drank too much, but that they had a great time together and she wanted to see him again. Union decided to meet up with Pescucci a second time. And then he said, I went to the bathroom and then I signed the bill. And then I didn't remember the events. Again, Union said... He texted Pascucci the next day, told him once again that he had too much to drink, but they had a great time together. On both occasions, Union said that he woke up with his wallet, his credit card, and his bearings and didn't suspect anything. Union said, and I was foolish. I believed her. I trusted her. And who hasn't done a stupid thing or two for a beautiful girl 
in life. Eden agreed to a third date with Pasucci. Pasucci said during the interview, He texted me almost religiously and I kind of felt bad. And he had gotten concert tickets. So for the third date, Eden took her to a Van Morrison concert at Madison Square Garden. And then he started to know that there was an issue. You know, it's like all she kept asking for was wine. And at Van Morrison concerts, once the concerts start, they don't serve alcohol. Pasucci said, that was a dreadful night. There was no alcohol that night, so I actually had to talk to him. Sometimes you get tired of pretending and fake laughing all night, so that was rough. It's emotionally draining to do this. Uh-huh. Okay. After the concert, Union said they decided to go out for drinks with some of Pascucci's friends. He said he remembered drinking the last half of his wine at the end of the night, but once again, the next thing he knew, he said he was waking up in bed alone with little memory of that night. But he found a voicemail that gave him a clue. He said there was a message left from American Express. They said there was extensive charges on my credit card. It was close to a hundred thousand dollars on a place on a place called Robert's Steakhouse. Can you please call us? While the charges were from Robert's the Steakhouse is affiliated with Scores, a famous gentleman's club that we talked about earlier. Eden said, I had never been to Scores. I had never had an account with Scores. I had never set foot in Scores. And American Express knew I had no history with that vendor. American Express said it was three nights, and then I put it together. It was every night I went out to dinner with her. I even saw the receipts. They were all forged. They were all forged, and they weren't even in my own handwriting. Eden said he confronted Pascucci, who, who turned red immediately when he asked her about the charges, and then she tried to blame it on the other people in her circle. Yuna told her, you're nothing but a thief. You're nothing but a swindler. I don't want to see you again. I don't want to talk to you ever again. Yikes. Do you have any comments? No, it took him three days to realize that something was wrong with this picture, that she was the one that was doing it. I mean, and it seemed like American Express with those type of charges would have been calling him sooner to question him. Maybe he did, maybe, maybe they did, maybe she, he didn't get the messages. But he should have known something was wrong when he woke up and had no memory of what happened the night before. It does sound kind of sus, doesn't it? That's yeah, a suspect because you figure who goes out on a date, wakes up at home, but has no memory of ever getting home. But then again, he says, who wouldn't like look past something like that? For Most people who go out on a date and don't remember anything, don't look past, I don't remember anything. So yeah, he was naive. But he said he, she was a pretty girl. Okay, like I said, he was naive. Their scheme began to falter when men started realizing what happened to them. One of the victims was given the pseudonym Fred in Pressler's article. But if you've seen the movie Hustlers, he was Doug. Met Samantha and Keo at a time of chaos in his life. His house had been destroyed by a hurricane. He was separated from his wife. Doug and Keo bonded over their kids. Rosie said they went to Roadhouse and cleaned him out completely. He begged for them to give back the money they took from his debit and credit card. They took a total of $17,000 from him. Doug called the New York City Police Department and played a recording of a conversation he had with another former exotic dancer who worked with the women. On tape, she admitted, on tape, she admitted to the drugging and theft. The identity of the exotic dancers was never revealed. Jessica wrote in her article, if a guy at the precinct who answered the phone had a dollar for every time he'd heard a caller say he had been drugged and his credit card ran up at the strip club, he'd retire already. Over the years, the New York City Police Department has received countless versions of these calls and their, and their unofficial position has always been that the caller was full of poop. <coughs> so when this particular caller said he had evidence, they were skeptical. After this, police started putting a case together, but they couldn't get any victim to come forward. A lot of men would say, oh, yeah, it was just like a couple thousand dollars. It wasn't that big of a deal. Or, oh, like, I don't want this to become public and I got drugged by some women. Yeah, they were embarrassed. They didn't want to realize, they didn't want to think of themselves as a victim. So they got embarrassed and they didn't want it to become public that they were taken advantage of. So they just paid off whatever charges that were racked up on their American Express what other credit card that was used because they were ashamed. Rosie, with her organization's skills, streamlined the operation. She she drew up a schedule and kept notes on each client with their personal details and how much money had been spent on their cards. Rosie said, I treated it like a business. So this is from Pressler's article, and she said, so this is about Rosie. She introduced other girls to Carmen Vitalo, a former bartender at Lace who managed the Roadhouse, a strip club in Queens, and she urged them to cultivate a higher level of clientele before when, before whenever Samantha or Karina or Marcy had gone fishing 
morning, they targeted bars like TGI Fridays in the financial district. Rosie preferred upscale, the kind frequented by rich men with everything to lose. Rosie said, my advantage over the girls is I didn't look like a stripper, she said. I look like any girl who could have walked off work, relaxing after a long day by having a glass of wine. So she looked down on other girls. When situated, she looked down for worthy target, checking out shoes, checking out watches, looking for wedding rings and pounce. Rosie said, I used to send a group of guys shots from across the room to see which one would come to me. And that's when I mentioned the Guggenheim partner earlier. Though the nights fell into patterns at some point, the guys wanted sex marcy and karina would only go so far and prostitution was what rosie and samantha had joined the business to avoid samantha said i have dignity at first they tried cutting or first they tried cutting in dancers the ones giving 300 dollars blowjobs but rosie was annoyed by their lack of enthusiasm rosie said if you're going to take 40 if you're going to spend 30 40 50 thousand dollars a night i want to know that you had a good time even if the bill was a little higher whatever that you know the bang the bang was worth the buck so they decided to outsource the prostitutes from backpage and craigslist rosie eased into her role as a modern day heidi fliss with enthusiasm so for context heidi fliss i'm so sorry if i'm saying her name wrong she was an american former madam she ran an upscale prostitution ring based in los angeles california and she's often referred to as the hollywood madam it's interesting that rosie compared herself to that because heidi was sentenced to she was convicted of federal charges of tax evasion in September 1996 and sentenced to seven years in prison. She also wrote the Player's Handbook for Men, the ultimate guide for dating and relationships. Jessica wrote, if the girls got a little scruffy, Rosie would take them shopping for new clothes and makeup. She trained them in etiquette and laid down the law. No drinking and no drugs. Rosie said, I taught them fake drinking and fake sniffing. She leaned over and blowed an imaginary line over her finger. Rosie said, once the signatures are done, you can party your head off. And while they took care of business, she took care of hers. Rosie said, I was on the phone with American Express half the time verifying his last four digits of social, his mother's maiden name and last purchases in their name and their location and how much was charged. Getting information from a guy high off his face with a prostitute draped over his leg wasn't very difficult. Rosie said, I did it right in front of them. I did, Rosie said, I did it right in front of them. I would ask them really quickly, what's your mother's, what's your mother's maiden name? What's your social security number? With Rose business savvy and Samantha's people skills, business boomed. The first Christmas, they, the first, that first Christmas they spent, that first Christmas they bought their favorite prostitute, her fav, her first pair of Louis Vuittons. Rosie said, we were like, Kobe and Shaq. That was, that's what, that's what I always said to Samantha. We were untouchable. In November 2013, the same month that Union took Pascucci almost three days, the NYPD and DEA set up a sting operation at the at the Gansworth Hotel, a luxury hotel in Manhattan's trendy meatpacking district. They were setting up a case against them, and they needed proof. They rented a room wiretapped with audio and video recording devices setting up a surveillance shop next door and had a d and had an undercover dea agent pose as a rich man sitting alone at the hotel in order to make him look like an easy target if anyone listening has seen the film i believe this happened but in different scenes there was a scene where there was a guy who fell in a pool unconscious in destiny Mercedes and Annabelle drove him to the hospital, but there was another scene where there was a guy wearing a wire trying to catch them in the act. I just thought to mention that in case anybody had seen the movie. So anytime I'm talking about the undercover, the undercover agent, I'm just going to say the undercover agent. So the undercover agent said, we did our investigation ahead of time, so we knew, so we knew they'd come to this high-end hotel. On that night after, on that night after an hour and a half of the undercover agent waiting in the bar, one of the women involved in the scam approached him and asked him if he wanted to party and then accompany and then accompany the agent to his room unknowingly to her the next door to his was full of detectives and dea agents watching and listening to everything but the agent said that the agent said he and the woman bought drinks at the bar and she and she brought them up to the room he knew that the drinks would possibly be drugged he said and the undercover agent pretended to pass out as if the drug cocktail the drug cocktail was too strong for him. Pascucci, who was downstairs, said Rosie called her to talk to her. Rosie called her and told her to join her in the room. Pascucci said, I actually wasn't supposed to be there. I was in my apartment. I was in my apartment by myself sleeping, but Rosie called me. She said she told me to wait downstairs, and she went out to the room with another girl, another dancer. Now we're about to talk about the video 
that the agents took, they made it public in this episode, so we're gonna talk about that right now. When she walked in, Pescucci saw, when she walked in, Pescucci said she saw a gentleman on the bed passed out. The undercover agent said they were trying to wake me up using various methods. They grabbed a beer from the hotel fridge and they had me drink that. One of the women is heard asking, did you give him anything? Another woman is heard saying that they gave him a bump of blow and he fell asleep. He was like dead. Then another one is heard saying, I've never seen anyone go to sleep after a bump. Pascucci said, it just didn't make sense to me. I went up to him. I had taken his pulse. He was still, he was breathing completely normal. I knew he wasn't blacked out. I knew he wasn't sick. His heart was fine. The undercover agent was acting the entire time and the other agents listening in the room next door started to worry that he had actually been drugged. DEA agent J.M. Minnick. The lead investigator on the case said there was a point where the girls had crawled on the bed and they had a wet cloth and it was like they put the cloth over his mouth. Eric Triana, the And what was the signal? He was raising his foot. I was the signal. I was surveillance footage showed the woman seeming to grow more agitated. They started slapping his face trying to wake him up. We were just hoping the girls would take his credit card and leave and go swipe it, Detective Danny Poloski said. Investigators didn't realize that these women needed to get the men into the strip club where they would be recorded on the club's camera so that so there could be no doubt that they were on the premises when their credit cards were charged. Rosie said that the scam usually worked because a lot of the men they targeted had wise and high power positions. They didn't want any problems. They just wanted to pay the bill and move on. We would tell our mark, listen, it's a losing battle. Just give in. We have you on camera. Yeah, because they couldn't go home and tell their wives that they lost $50,000 or they blew $5,000 in a strip club that they probably weren't supposed to be in. And then if they had jobs at different at prestigious Wall Street firms, they didn't want their co-workers or peers to know what kind of behavior they were doing, what, what kind of behavior they had after hours, after they got off the clock from working. But the woman couldn't ruse the undercover agent. The DEA surveillance video inside the hotel room showed the women in their desperation starting to get physical with the agent grabbing and groping him, trying to get him to, trying to get him on his feet. The undercover agent said, I feel like they were vampires hovering over me. My blood was a credit card. They needed to get me to the strip bar with my credit card to do their business. Poloski had mentioned him earlier. He said, it got a little intrusive. It was getting to the point where they weren't leaving. They just wanted to get him to the club. So, so we kind of came to the decision that this was going to go on all night. They had no regard for his health, if he was dead or alive. Yeah, because their mission from Samantha and Rosie was to get him to the strip club so they can get paid at whatever cost. They just had to have him where he was semi-sober walking through the club the door because they would have him on security cameras if everything was okay and he was there to party but if he was unconscious they couldn't drag him in because he wouldn't be walking on his own wheel so that's why they were going through all that trouble to make sure he was okay slapping him and everything else that they did because they needed to get the money to, in order to bring it back to samantha and rosie so then they had some agents pose as hotel security and knock on the door. When they came in, they asked the women if there was a problem and if the man on the bed needed an ambulance. The women told them no. Yeah, because they needed to get him out of there. They didn't need to see that he was unconscious, was playing unconscious because he wasn't unconscious. So that would throw a monkey wrench in their plans. They had recorded these women talking about drugging their marks. The detective had also retrieved the undercover agent's glass that held the spiked drink and sent it to the DEA lab to find out if the women were drugging their marks and with which substances to cause memory loss. This was critical in their case. So it turned out it was all three of those drugs into one. And they were lucky nobody died. They were very lucky nobody died. The DEA didn't confirm or deny having a failed sting operation, but it was true that at that point, they weren't having a lot of luck getting the victims they found to press charges. One of the cops said bluntly, the amount of people willing to talk to us was small. It was absurd. Men don't want to admit they were victimized by women, which in this case is understandable because they would have been a laughing stock by other people and they could lose everything i understand but still like y'all lost a lot of money
In 2014, Scores was sued by Union in an attempt to force him the 135000 in bills charged during during those three nights. The lawsuit promoted screaming headlines in the New York City newspapers. But the women had picked the wrong mark when they picked Union. He refused to pay for charges he said he never authorized. Well, sure. He figured at that time, American Express is coming after him for 135000 and he figured that he wanted to stop them. So he didn't care whether his name was plastered in the tabloids or on a reputable newspaper and people would make fun of him. And he just wanted to stand up and say, no, I'm not a victim. They need to be stopped because he didn't know how many other people they had done that way. So when you think about it, there's a good lot of courage for him to know what was going to happen that people could possibly laugh at him and say how stupid he was. He was naive, but for $135,000, I would have done the same thing because he had to come out of his pocket for $135,000 because American Express wanted the money from him. He tried to sue Scores, but Scores saw him walking through the on the videotape, so it was trying to figure out who was going to actually pay the bill. When NYPD detectives contacted him after running down lists of men who had New York who had New York City strip club bills, Union said he was skeptical, thinking he was being set up by scores pretending to be law enforcement. That's that's wild. You know, at that point, he didn't know who to trust because you figure he thought that Pascucci, he thought that she liked him, that they were actually going out and he was looking at her as if she could be a possible girlfriend. And she was looking at him as he was just a business transaction. I want your money. So at that point, I would have felt the same way. You don't know who to trust. Yun said he shared with the detectives the various text messages, emails, and voicemails he exchanged with Pascucci and Scores. Later, Yunin's name was plastered across New York City tabloids when Scores filed a lawsuit against him. When yet he continued to keep quiet about working with law enforcement, hoping they would take, hoping they would soon take action. And then three men, the three victims I talked, I mentioned earlier, a banker, a hedge fund executive, and a real estate lawyer. They all came forward. So then they started. So they started building a case. So. But his name was the only one. That but his was, name was the only one made public. Right. After eight months of investigating, a joint effort by the New York City Police Department, the Special Narcotics Prosecutioner's Office, and the DEA. They all had information to make their arrest. In June 2014, the four women, including Carmen Vitalo, I mentioned him earlier, he was the manager of Roadhouse, which was one of the many strip clubs that they took the men to, all accepted plea deals. According to the Special Narcotics Prosecution Office, the group scheme involved involves not only the theft of $200,000, but comprised with the compromise, the, the health, safety, insecurity of victims by convert by covertly giving them harmful substances so now let's move on to the charges samantha was charged with four counts of conspiracy four counts of grand larceny two counts of assault three counts of larceny do you think her charges were fair and if so why no her charges weren't fair she drove people and she she got off easy just with uh, the probation because i didn't get to probation oh okay start over no, I don't think her charges were light. I think that the charges that they gave her, they didn't have anything to do with drugging. And it's bad enough that you're stealing from people, but now you're going to drug them, which could have had consequences because they could have died. They could have ended up in a hospital. And so... Had health problems. It could have had health problems. And they could have health problems from now on. We just don't know if they had health problems from the fact that she gave them drugs. So for her to get off that lightly, yeah, she was lucky. Do you think her sentence should have been stricter because she was the ring because she was one of the ringleaders? Yes. She should have it should have been harsher on her because she was a ringleader and she recruited other people to do her dirty work so she wouldn't go to jail. They would be the ones that would be caught given the substance to the different marks that they came up with. She was coaching them on what to say what to wear, took them shopping, so they could look high class. I feel that her charges should have been more than what she got. Okay, so I talked about larceny and grand larceny earlier. 
The difference between larceny and grand larceny is with larceny is a misdemeanor and it involves theft of property less than the local threshold, while grand larceny is considered a felony. So she got so the felony charges was the grand larceny. She got four counts of that. Four counts of that. Well, that she, still was too that still was too good for her, in my personal opinion. Pascucci was working at a clothing store in Manhattan when three DEA agents showed up to arrest her. She said, so they came to get me, to apprehend me. I was really surprised. When you get arrested, the whole world goes black and everything goes silent. In her 2020 interview, she, she said, I definitely feel responsible for just luring people in and, you know, manipulating them. Pascucci was charged with four counts of conspiracy, two counts of larceny, and one count of forgery. Marcy. I couldn't find any information about her, but she was in the case. But she was in the case. Just a four months of weekends at Rikers Island. I'm not gonna lie, until I started researching this case, I had no idea how bad Rikers was. But apparently they're going to be closing soon because of like all of the fights and stuff. And apparently like recent like very recently, within like the last couple weeks, somebody some people had to go out on stretchers. I had no idea how bad Rikers Island was. And then she got sentenced to five years of probation, along with Pascucci and Samantha. Let's move on to Rosie. Rosie said, The day I was arrested, they came to my house early in the morning, and I was taken in handcuffs. Oh my god, the whole world, everyone, knew what, what I did. All types of emotions are running through you. I was in shock. During the interview with Pressler, Rosie, during the interview, Rosie said, I thought about it, and I'm like, the only one of these girls that's normal with a brain on my head with a child in the future. She was sentenced to five years of probation. And she was charged with... She was charged with two counts of conspiracy, three counts of grand larceny, two counts of assault, and three counts of larceny. And she took a plea... I mentioned they took a plea, to, right? Yeah. She took a plea. Deal. Pascucci and um, I forgot to mention this with Pascucci and Marcy, they both got four weekends, four months of weekends at Rikers. Do you think that's fair? Yes, I do. They were the only ones that had to go to jail. I mean, Rosie, she took the plea deal. She admitted what she did was wrong. So you can kind of understand how she got five years probation, but she snitched on everybody else, and she did that because she was the only one that had a child. So, and what was it, Rose? Um, Samantha had a child as well. Okay, well, they both had kids, but she was at the point, based on the article and also the movie, which was part true and part fictional that she didn't think that it was not it was right to drug people so to me out of the whole group she was the only one that had it she was the only one that appeared to have a conscience they knew it was wrong but they didn't stop so i think for rosie and also samantha they got off easy because they didn't have to they do any time in jail weekends or no weekends especially our rikers right Let's move on to Carmen Vitalo, the manager of Roadhouse NYC. Vitalo, Vitalo Carmen, Carmen Vitalo was the manager of Roadhouse NYC. He he pled guilty to pet pet petty 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 petty. He pled guilty to petty larceny and was sentenced to three years of probation. He also took a cut of whatever money they made when he came when the girls brought the men to the club. What do you think of the charges? Well, I think for them not to get any jail time, Vitello, he was the he was the way for them to get paid because they had to run the credit card charges through some type of credit card machine. So they used the club to do that. So, but that was on him because if he's the manager, the owners they're not paying attention to that. So they see him, they just figure he's just running valid charges. For people who are out partying because they were in the champagne room which was an exclusive room that high rollers went to so to speak so for the charges that he got 
then that seems fair. But the other people, like I said, with um, Rosalind and Samantha, I don't think that their charges, I don't feel their charges were fair because they were the ringleaders and it was their idea to drug people. So it went from just taking advantage of somebody to illegally taking advantage of someone and it, it could have been serious consequences of them giving someone a drug because people could have had allergic reactions. We could have had all kinds of medical issues for that and it was just all about the money. Let's talk about the aftermath. What happened after they all went to court? Marcy, I couldn't find anything on her. Did you find anything? No, her name is not mentioned anywhere, probably because she didn't want to have anything else to, to do with it after the article and it came out in um, the public. So you can kind of understand why she wanted to just keep it private. Rosie, she told Time Magazine that she was going to be releasing a book called The Sophisticated Hustler. It is currently out now on Amazon if you ever wanted to read it. I just thought I'd mention that. The description for the book on Amazon reads, The Sophisticated Hustler is, is a highly anticipated memoir by of Rosalind Rosie Kao, the muse of the, of the virtual article, The Hustlers at Scores written by New York Magazine staff writer Jessica Pressler. This true crime story of greed and the American dream was transformed into a blockbuster movie Hustlers starring Jennifer Lopez, Cardi B, Jessica Stiles, and Constance Wu, who played KO in the movie. The movie provided an instant crowd pleaser, grossing $33 million opening weekend, which was February, which was Friday, September 13, 2019. Rosie, a former highly paid exotic dancer and sophisticated entertainer, tells the truth about her that Hollywood left out. The cautionary tale takes readers behind the scenes of the Wall Street nightlife in New York City's most prominent gentlemen's club, from hedge fund managers to corporate CEOs and high-powered attorneys. Let KO take you behind the beaded curtains of the champagne room. Her book was released on September 24, 2019, 11 days after the movie came out. Do you think it's fair for her to profit off of this horrible situation? No, I don't. I don't think she should profit off of it, but that's just how society is. I mean, you figure she didn't get charged with any other crime other than grand um, larceny. And larceny. Assault. Assault, but, I mean, she got five years probation none of the other people came forward so you figure to her if she's going to tell the story she's going to tell the story all the story opposed just to the article that she gave the information she gave to jessica pressler who wrote the article but that's just how it is in society you commit crimes and then you go off and you make a movie on it or you write a book and you make money you profit off of somebody else's misfortune somebody else's you victimized she was also on the red carpet of the movie and she even had and there's even photos of her with the cast members just thought i mentioned that in case anyone wanted to look it up yeah so she's not ashamed of what she did she's out front figuring she's gonna profit off of the movie or put herself out there after the movie for people to buy her book to to, uh, to find out what the real story was let's move on to samantha Samantha also said she was going to be writing a book. Samantha's book actually did come out. It's called Underscore. The description for the book reads this. This book is about the nightlife and adult entertainment. She brings you into the dark night with a Fortune 500 client list. I had no idea. The book came out in February 25th, 2020. The reviews for the book are not great. One of the reviews said it was horribly, it was horrible. I mean, horribly written. So many grammar errors, typos, paragraph cuts, and not, not to mention so many half-truths. Samantha admitted to nothing in this book but brags about, about this book. The Hustler movie based on her and the life and the world is dying to know her story. Samantha Barbash is like KO drugged men and robbed them just because, and just because, not because they were abusive or a-holes. They would lure them in bars like TGI Fridays, Applebee's, and other bars around the city. And Samantha also claimed that 40,000 books were sold according to the New York Post, but some people haven't even gotten their book. And then I saw another article that said that she made almost a million dollars, but not everyone who ordered a book has received a book. And a lot of reviews are similar to this. The book is 111 pages. I'm not, it's been done before books being 111 pages or shorter and the story develops, but according to these reviews, it's yikes. With K.O.'s book, 
With some of the stuff I was seeing with Kayla's book was that a story actually developed and came together unlike Samantha's book. So I just wanted to add in that Samantha's book actually has come out. And she also declined ABC's request to be interviewed except to say that she wanted to tell Rosie, make the money, don't let the money make you. What do you think she means by that? Well, that's an old expression. So basically, it's saying that make the money, but don't let the money that you make change you, your personality. But most people, when they get greedy, their personalities do change. It's just all about the next score. It's all about making more money. And in the article with the 2020 interview she that she did with so, I'm sorry, Rosie did the 2020 interview and she said that Samantha was greedy, meaning that she had a chance to, instead of charging $50,000 on somebody's card when she found out that's what the limit was, she said, just do it in smaller increments so therefore you wouldn't draw attention. But also in the movie, Samantha, her character Ramona said, no, let's just go for the whole $50,000. So when you get greedy, you tend to get reckless and that's how you end up getting caught. So I think all of them, she's going to write a book as well. So therefore, she'll make money off of it because you figure when they talk about strippers, Cardi B was in the movie. She's talked about how her life was, how she, what she did it for because she was trying to have a, she was trying to find work and she did it, but that wasn't what her true passion was. And she didn't go down that road, but you have some other people who go down that road for whatever reason. Samantha also told the New York post in april that she was planning to sue stx entertainment which is the production company behind hustlers so she tried to sue them but she lost her lawsuit because they said that she participated when they were marketing the movie and stuff like that so she didn't have a legal ground to stand on and also because they didn't use any likeness of her her face her voice things like that so therefore she lost her case but she did try to sue i believe it was for 140,000 no a couple of million something like that but uh, i'm glad she lost so now let's move on to past gucci gucci is working on her associate's degree in criminal psychology and wants to write a book about her experience at a later date well based on the article she knew what she was doing was wrong and you never know what could be going on in a person's life so for her she actually did admit in the 2020 interview that they did that she was sorry. She apologized. And so for her, she realizes that she wants to help people in terms of whatever psychological stress they're going under. So for her to do that, I believe that she's sincere. She's not writing a book. She's not trying to get paid or make money any other way. She just wants to go on with her life and try to do some constructive with it. So I can applaud her. Eunice said the ordeal has affected him tremendously. He said, I'm not as trusting as I used to be, but yeah, I also but yeah, I also stand up for what's right and some had to stand up to stop stop it. They needed to be accountable for their responsibilities and their actions. Yeah, so he did the right thing. He knew it could cost him because you figure if he's a cardiologist, that could ruin his business, his practice, because people would say, Well, you got taken advantage of you if you were that naive or can I trust you as a doctor? But he feel he felt that it was the right thing to do. You stand up for the underdog because he knew a lot of other people had it had happened to them. And so again, he felt that if I have to put my name out there to say, Yes, I got taken advantage of, yes, I was naive, but they need to stop what they're doing. At least this group needs to stop what they're doing because of quite is probably still going on it's been going on people getting drugged in nightclubs and other places since the beginning of time but at least you can applaud him because even though he was embarrassed he said he wasn't going to stop until this ended because there were other people who didn't want to speak up for themselves because they were victimized and most victims don't want to have it made public that they were victimized what are three things that someone can take away from the situation well one you figure if you are going to go out anywhere, you watch your drink. You don't let people take you out and say, oh, let's have a good time. And you wake up and you don't remember anything. That should be a red flag right there that something's wrong. This should be a reason why you don't remember what happened to you. And then another thing is, is that people 
if you when people decide to take advantage of you is that's one thing but to also use drugs to take advantage of you that's when it becomes illegal it's it's immoral for them to want to take advantage of you because that's not right but then when they drug you it's as if they know what they're doing now they want to take advantage of you, you want to take money use your credit card things like that and then another thing is everyone who works in a strip club isn't out to get someone they're working and you have some people who were doctors lawyers they worked in a strip club because that was how they paid their rent while they were in school i said drugging people is not fel is illegal and a felony don't do it just don't don't do it it's not that hard also never let money get in the way of your morals because at the end of the day would you really want to look back and be like yeah i drugged somebody no i don't think anyone wants to do that also if you're doing crime do it alone don't join don't have other people do join in with you because at the end of the day they will rat you out to save their own butt i chose my mom for this episode because she we watched the movie hustlers together and i thought it would be interesting to talk about with her we've also talked about stuff similar to this and other cases like this but reversed and i wanted to know what her opinion and thoughts were um and i think a takeaway from this case is don't let greed get in the way of your morals because we saw with rosie she was like this is wrong but she needed the money. One thing I will say is don't let greed get in the way of your morals and do what's right. This case is really sad, but yeah, just don't let it get in the way of doing the right thing or make you do the wrong thing. That is all the current information I have, meaning that this episode is over. Thank you so much for listening. A big shout out to my mom. And in the next episode, I'll have my dad and we're going to be talking about Essential Park 5. Again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, mom. Thank you for having me. And yeah, that's all I have. And I will see you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>